Our scripture reading today is from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. Luke chapter 1, 26 to 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your words to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It is my pleasure to introduce uh, Samuel. I'm going to introduce him, uh, even though... Many people know Samuel well from preaching in the past. Uh, he hasn't uh, preached for a while, and I've introduced him for a while. We have a lot of new people who have joined the church, especially online. So let's give a little brief intro, if you don't mind, Samuel. Uh, Samuel and his wife, Miriam, both attend uh, NCC with their four children, Natalia, Samuel, Antonio, and Lucy. Samuel is a graduate of Boston University School of Public Health, and also uh, he's got an MDiv from Yale Divinity School. And his particular field of continued study is on the kind of confluence of science and faith, particularly genetics and how it applies to uh, disabilities. He has been published in BioLogos and is a founder of Cristianos en la Ciencia, which is Christians in Science. And recently, Samuel was accepted into the Harvard University's Bioethics Graduate Program. So we're thankful for that. And uh, let's just ask a, a blessing on Samuel's sermon this morning. Lord, thank you, Father. Thank you for your abundant goodness. Thank you for your servant. And I pray that as he speaks, Lord, that you will speak to us through him. Use your vessel this morning. Bless him, Father, and give us open hearts to hear what you want to say to each one of us. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to um, share with you. Let me know if you can hear me, because I will keep talking and then I might be muted. But um put that on the chat if, if that's okay um so um today um I, uh, first and foremost uh happy mother's day um today's a, a very special day for a lot of people in in this nation we'll take a time to um, talk about more about that today i also want to obviously congratulate my my wife who's here in the audience and um and I think my mom is it's in the audience as well. So and my mother-in-law it's 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 in the audience. So um, I, I, I'm gonna get that out of the way right away. Um, congratulations to uh, 
my immediate um, family in, in terms of um, mother's state, I would say. So, um, ooh, even my sister is here too. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> uh, no pressure. I am nervous now. So, um, congratulations to, to all of them. And congratulations to all of the members of our congregation and people who are visiting us um, who are um, mothers and um, identify with that, with that um, label. And, and today I, I will talk about that in, in terms of what does um, we can gather from Scripture to learn more about the, the role of motherhood. So before I start, I just want to go really quick. I try to um, always give an overview of what we're talking about here in terms of um, general statistics. You know that they're not never too specific, but it's just give us a sense of what, you know, how mothers in this nation, how can we, you know, describe or, or understand a little bit more about motherhood in the United States. So according to the Pew Research Center, uh, women are more likely now to become mothers than they, they were a decade ago. And this is particularly the case among highly educated women. That's one of the highlights we got from a study, a recent study from the Pew Research um, in terms of describing motherhood in the United States. Um, we could all also say that women are becoming mothers uh, later in life, generally speaking, according to the study. Uh, we also know that uh, mothers are spending more time in the labor force than in the past, but also more time on child care. Um, I wonder how is that working for a lot of mothers in, in this nation in terms of, you know, having the demand from their, from their work, but also having uh, to take care of, of, of the child, children in, in their household as well. So motherhood it's it's technically and we'll we'll see as we go through the statistics is a very complex issue it's not it's it's not um something that um we just can take lightly no and um number four it says this study also says that about one in four mothers are raising their children on their own that's in the united states one in four and here i think uh there's a one more most americans say women face a lot of pressure to be involved, to be involved mothers, right? So that's a constant social pressure exerted by our society here in the United States uh, upon mothers. Last but not least, foreign-born moms account for a rising share of U.S. births. So that's kind of a bird's eye view of, of a kind of a description, a little, you know, it might not apply to all of us, it might not apply to our households, it might not apply to the mothers and the audience, but it's kind of just to give us a, an idea of what's going on in our, in our nation. You know? So today we're going to talk about uh, one particular character that I think we don't talk a lot about her. You know, I, I, I've heard a lot of sermons based on, on Mary, but I think there's so many things in her life that uh, sometimes we, you know, Protestants don't, do not, uh, you know, go to. Perhaps, you know, there are different differences in, in theological, in, in the Christian world, there's a differences in, in our theological understanding of who Mary was. But I, I decided to title this sermon, it's a motherhood, a divine calling in a world in need of redemption. Right? So hopefully, I mean, if, even if you are not a mom, uh, don't tune out. 
right? If you're a male like me, this, is, this message is also for you because I believe that this is a character that can teach us how to not only treat uh, mothers, but also encourage those mothers who are ar around us, right? And, um, and give us a definition, kind of a, China, kind of a definition of how we can picture motherhood in, in accordance to what God has to say about this special role. So uh, we Protestants have a lot of theological reservations about Mary. That's, that's the reality of it. And when we look at Greek Orthodox or Russian Orthodox Christians or Roman Catholic Christians, they have constructed very um, theological systems to explain the role of Mary in relationship to Jesus. And for us evangelicals, uh, we have emphasized the role of grace. When we talk about Mary, we, we talk about, the, you know, Mary full of grace having been chosen by, by God to be the bearer of um, the incar incarnation, you know, Jesus Christ, our Lord. But there is much more to talk about her than that, I believe. Regardless of where we, where we stand in this subject, I, the truth is that Mary is a, is a very special character in Scripture. And I would argue that she is the closest human to Jesus to have ever lived, right? The closest person that, you know, closest person to Jesus, as close as you can get to Jesus in terms of human, um, human flesh, I, I would look at Mary to do that. Um, and so biologically speaking, socially speaking, culturally speaking, you know, the proximity of Mary to Jesus is a match by any other character in, in the Bible. So that, that's, that's what I believe that Mary can help us understand the nature of motherhood. And see, uh, scripture gives us clues to understand motherhood. It, it, that, that motherhood is more than a social or a cultural role that falls upon women. Uh, when we look at the different stages of Mary's life, we, we also learn that motherhood goes beyond biological boundaries that we tend to associate with this role. So I, I hope my hope is that Mary today could help us to understand that motherhood is first and first most a divine calling from, from God to humans, right? Fallible humans. And only when we envision it as so, we can, we get to grasp the cultural, the social, and the biological dimensions of what it means to be a, a mom, right? So, Understanding that this is not as—it's it's a complex subject. Not everybody's on the same page. And this day today is a day of joy for a lot of people, but also it's a day of reflection for many of you who have lost your your mom, and many of you who are um, gone through different struggles through this subject specifically of motherhood. So understanding that, let us um, have the word of God today. Help us understand what God thinks of motherhood and how is it that we as a church, whether we are male or female, can help mothers in our congregations, mothers in our community to, to realize that, that it's not just a social role or a cultural role. It's more, more of a divine call that God has placed upon some of our lives, right? So having said that, um, when we look at Mary, right, there's so many glimpses in Scripture that we can look at different stages of her life. 
Uh, one of the ones that come to my mind is um, Mary when she became a refugee. Right after Jesus was born, she had to flee because Jesus was, um, you know, there was a, an impending genocide taking place in Judea. And so she had to leave and flee uh, to Egypt to save Jesus' life. Um, another major event that I see Mary in Scripture, it's uh, the wedding at Can Cana, right? I wanted to stop right there because I think we get to see a very, very, very human picture of, of Mary. Her humanity comes to life in this, in this scenario. I don't know if you remember this passage, but apparently there was a wedding, right? And, and Mary um, suddenly called Jesus and, psst, psst, come here, my dear one. Uh, remember that trick? you uh, did when you were in preschool, where you changed the water in your sippy cup into juice. Uh, maybe we need that same trick now, right? Uh, we need you, you know, they ran out of wine, and I know you could do this. And that, that, that is scene right there makes me think, you know, Jesus actually, his answer was awesome. I mean, he said, woman, please. Um, this is not what I do. But, you know, somehow the influence that Mary had upon Jesus led Jesus to, you know, according to the Gospel of John, make his first miracle, change water into wine. <laughs> um, so, but, you know, we attribute that miracle to Jesus, but the influencer there, it was mom. You know, so I, I, I think that's, a, I know, I think a, that picture as who Mary was in terms of, um, her relationship and her influence in Jesus' life. There's another um, event, and I don't, I don't know if you remember, but Mary lost Jesus, uh, not only in the cross, but actually before, you know, he was a, a teenager, he was in the temple, and something happened that he actually um, stayed behind, and Mary didn't know where he was. So um, that's another scene where we see Mary taking care of business. Right. Um, apparently, they go back. They were far away, even two days. In a two days journey, they have to come back to Jerusalem. They found Jesus in the temple, hanging out there. And you see in the picture right here that I have in front of me. You know, you, Mary is so delicate. It's so um, parenting, talking to Jesus, trying to diminish his self-esteem, just trying to talk to him. That's one interpretation of how we can see that image or that passage. My personal interpretation of this, uh, it's more the Latino version of this particular um, uh, scenario. I know for a fact, you know, Bible is clear about this. Jesus never got lost again. This is something that he never do, did again. And my interpretation of it is that Mary, as a Semitic woman, uh, most likely was in, you know, had a different parenting style. And sometimes in the Latino culture, where I come from, you just have to make a gesture. You don't have to say many things. And that gesture right here is, you know, you hold on a chancleta. I don't know if you know what a chancleta means, but it's just that. It's a, it's a sandal. And all problems are fixed once you do that because the child actually knows that um, <clears throat> that's not something you do. I, you, my heart was on my neck, and I couldn't know where you were. Uh, you hang out with me, so please don't do that again. So 
Um, so at least in my household, that's, you know, how I grew up. Uh, Chancleta helped me um, not never to get lost again, right? So we all children, at least, you know, motherhood is mediated by, by our cultures. You know, we don't all come from the same cultural background. But any good Puerto Rican kid or Latino kid knows what to do when the chancleta comes out, right? Um, so uh, just to, to give you a sense that Mary, um, believe it or not, is, you know, had to face different situations just like, you know, moms today will face any other in a given day. So from that particular pro, um, um, scenarios where we get to see Mary, we also get to ask, um, know that um, uh, there was a, an occasion when Mary went on to interrupt. Jesus was giving this great sermon and somebody came on and said, you know, Jesus, hey, uh, hey, excuse me, your mom and your brothers are hanging out outside and they want to talk to you. And then Jesus gets this bravado and says, my mom and my brothers are the ones who do my will. I'm totally sure without shadow of a doubt, probably Mary talked to this guy. You know, um, you know, I understand you are Jesus. I understand you. But I'm still your mom. <laughs> and um, sometimes I need to talk to you. So you need to be accessible. So I, that's kind of, um, you know, I'm taking the liberty to... Uh, try to look at the very human side of Mary in, in the sense of where we stand in this conversation of motherhood. So like I said, I, I, I hope to also demonstrate that when we look at the life of Mary, we can also understand the, the divine essence of what it means to be a mother. And that essence doesn't just apply to Mary. It might apply to uh, many uh, women today. So I, I want you to take a look at a couple of um, scenarios. And one of them is that through Mary, we get to learn that motherhood is a contentious event, believe it or not. And for that, we look at the um, Annunciation. When we look at the Annunciation of Gabriel to the life of Mary, in Luke chapter 1, we just read that passage, and it says, you know, Gabriel, a male archangel, right? Not omniscient, a created being, but he was the one who was um, in charge of giving this annunciation. He says, you will conceive and give birth to a son, right? So he will be great and will be called the son of the Most High. And uh, in response to that, Mary comes and says, and how will this be? And this is like specifically when you get to understand that male are from Mars and um, women are from Venus. Um, because the way uh, Gabriel gets to interpret this question, and he comes up and gives him kind of a, gives Mary kind of a biological explanation. Oh, don't worry, I, I'll explain it to you. The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Um, that's one way to interpret the question, you know, how could this be? But another way to interpret that question perhaps was that Mary understood what would happen to a female that happens to be pregnant out of wedlock, right? It's not so much of how is it going to happen, but maybe Mary understood that this event, 
which is marvelous, it is great, it's going to bring all sorts of issues to my life based on the social rules and the social um, perceptions that people might have about what it means to be a mom or what it means to uh, give birth in this sense, right? So looking at that, we can understand that for Mary, um, motherhood was a moment of contention, a moment that took her out of a comfort zone and exposed her to a lot of things that the society or the people in her community would say about her and will think of her just because this moment of the annunciation of the, the birth of the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, was not just a typical event that didn't bring any source of consequences. And that made me think about Nicole Lewis, uh, Lynn Lewis from Project Hope. She recently came up with a book. It's called Pregnant Girl, Teen Motherhood College and Creating a Better Future for Young Families. And in that book, she talks about the, the consequences of teen pregnancy which are help us understand that motherhood for you know motherhood is a different experience for different people. In a sense, when we think about teenage uh, girls who are going through the process of becoming a mom, um, Lynn Lewis talks about most of the societal pressures that the girls have to go through just for the fact that this happened in their life. This is a quote from, from her book in a recent interview. But it says, but we don't talk about it when it comes to teen mothers. We have this thing about you made your bed now, now lie in it. How damaging is that? This is a time as a new mom, so many of us can understand the fra fragility that you have as a new mother and the uncertainty and just the fact that the world feels upside down most days, and you are in a fog, even without postpartum depression. So if you are in the audience, and if you get to hear, listen to this message, and this is something that, that occurs to you as a teen mother, uh, Lynn Lewis starts talking about the connection between teen pregnancy and homelessness, teen pregnancy and um, substance abuse, teen pregnancy, and depression, and suicide. Just know that in the story of Mary, there's a space for you. There's a space for you to understand. Then motherhood might be a contentious event in your life. Yet that's not the end of it, but the beginning of a calling. And for all the things we say about, you know, especially, especially us evangelicals, we talk about abortion and we talk about those issues that divide, divide us and controversial things. Um, sometimes we don't think about the stress, the social pressure, the, the microaggressions. We don't talk about the, 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 the chastisement that many young mothers have to go based on situations that happen. And as a teacher, I, I, you know, I hang out with teenagers from Monday through Friday. 
And I'm not going in and out in my classroom saying, well, you go ahead and, and have babies now. I'm not, not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that this is a world in which those situations will happen. And in those moments, the social pressures, the social chastisement, and the cultural norms, norms that we have placed are working against, um, against helping our teenagers, if they are going through the situation, that God has a plan for their life and has a plan for the fruit of their womb. Just like he had a plan for Mary, who wasn't Mary. I was, it was out of wedlock, yet that was a plan for her life that brought her to a point of contention. Motherhood as an event that brings contention. So if that is you, you have a space in the biblical narrative. Also, um, another major theme that I see when I, when I look at Mary is the fact that um, motherhood could be understood as a, an event that defies our expectations. And um, I've been blessed enough in my life um, to look at um, a, a mom that uh, defies those expectations. Um, and, and I can associate that with Mary during the public ministry of Jesus, right? So uh, when we think about Mary, uh, we always think about Jesus' public ministry just affecting Mary, I mean, affecting Jesus. But the truth is that according to the Bible, Mary treasured all of these things and pondered in her heart. Every time Jesus received a death threat, every time Jesus was um, pushed into almost to a cliff, every time he was not well received, every time the Pharisees were, strong, were trying to put a trap to make him look bad. And it got to the point in the life of Jesus that it was evident that people was looking to kill him. And that did not only affect Jesus, but that affected his mom, Mary. Right? It got to the point that it was clear in her life. That, that moment where Gabriel came and gave her the announcement that she was going to be the, the one who gives uh, birth to the Holy One of Israel... And she went into the Magnificat and said, God, thank you. I'm so grateful. Those expectations came to change at some point in her life. When, when she got to understand that his beloved child was going to be put to death. Was not well received. Was seen as a threat. Was seen as someone who needed to be And it's that transition where our expectations are not met through motherhood that I want to also reach out to mothers whose uh, the event of motherhood has not has defied their own expectations. I happen to, again, live with a very special person who I had the privilege of walking with her uh, in my life. And I know she has come to the point to understand that or her motherhood has, has 
defy her expectations. You know, when you get ready or you plan to become a mother, many of the experiences that my wife has gone through are not the ones we were thinking that this journey will lead us to. And when we think about our, our two daughters and um, when we think about other parents with children with special needs, where you um, seem to understand that life doesn't go as planned and motherhood doesn't look like I plan. And actually motherhood involves pain, not necessarily personal pain, but seeing the pain of um, your child having to struggle to different circumstances that sometimes you cannot even control. And if that's your case, I invite you to look at Mary because she understood that part too. Right? I want to share a quote from uh, Deborah Ginsburg, the mom of uh, a child with severe medical and complex issues. And she says, through the blur, I wondered if I was alone or if other parents felt the same way I did. That everything involving our children was painful in some way. The emotions. Whether they, they, they were joy, sorrow, love, or pride, were so deep and sharp in their, in the end they left you raw, exposed, and yes, in pain. The human heart was not designed to beat outside the body, and yet each child represents just that, a parent's heart bared, beating forever outside its chest. Right. So if you are a mom who has come through the process of motherhood, and that process has defied, defied your expectations of how this journey was supposed to be. Now you understand that it's totally different to what you picture. You find in it a, 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 a special example in the life of Mary as she has traveled through. She traveled through this road and understood that more than a social and cultural role, this role was bestowed upon her by God. No one else but then God. Last but not least, I want to also concentrate on the fact that we see in Scripture that motherhood could be an event that defies biological boundaries. When we think about motherhood, sometimes we think about biology. I'm a biology teacher. But through the life of Mary and even Jesus... We understand that motherhood goes beyond biological bonds, right? So this is not just something that happens to uh, kids of our flesh and bones. And we see that Mary during the crucifixion, something very special happened in that place, right? This is the point of the culmination of, of you know, a beautiful prayer at the beginning of the Magnificat seems to come crashing down at the sight of seeing the bones of my bone, the flesh of my flesh being executed. Right? And I always think about Mary during, during Easter because, it's, you know, we picture it, you know, on Friday we're sad and Sunday we are like jumping for joy, but that was not the case for Mary, right? She had to go through the trauma 
of seeing her son being killed. But it is in that moment where Jesus happens to say something very, very, very enigmatic. At the moment where he is dying, he said, you know, to the disciple that he loves, John, he says, woman, says to Mary, here is your son. And to the disciple that he loved, he says, here is your mother. To a certain extent, we see Jesus kind of transferring something that is beyond biology, transferring motherhood into Mary and his beloved disciple, John. I think about that time and what, what that impl the implications of that specific part of this narrative. I think about, obviously, all those moms, legitimate moms, that by not, by not by the means of biological bond, but they have assumed the role. If we could see the, the divine essence of motherhood, we see them in adoptive moms. We see them in foster moms. And out of their desire and out of their will they have to they have decided to embrace a calling a calling that is beyond our biology so if you are one of those moms who have taken the decision to become present in the life of someone who is not biologically related to you allow me to tell you that your life and your example is one of the major criteria to understand that motherhood is a divine calling that transcends biology, that transcends social roles, that transcends cultural assumptions. Let me share this quote with you. It says, Not flesh of my flesh, nor bones of my bone, but still miraculously my own. Never forget for a single minute, you didn't grow under my heart, but in it. And it is that, if that's you, you are included in this narrative. You are included in this story. In the life of Mary, in how Jesus saw the need to assign the role of motherhood to one of his beloved disciples into assign the, the role of taking care of his mom to a disciple that was not biologically related. Jesus had brothers. Jesus thought of John. So it is at the, this point when we can see all those essence and those different criteria that we can reflect on the life of Mary. There's so many other things we can talk about Mary as a person and as someone who God called to be a mom. It is at that time where we get to understand what it means to be a mom. First and foremost, motherhood is not a social assignment. It's not a cultural, it is in a sense, but more and foremost is before that is a divine calling that God placed upon your life. 
may we be able to do like Mary did when she knew that she was going to be a mom. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Let us pray. Dear Lord, it is in a day like today that we want to give you thanks for the moms that you have placed in our lives. Whether through biological bonds or whether through divine assignment. We thankful, we're thankful for, for the blessing of having people in our lives, whether they are here now or, or they were at some point. We give you thanks for the lives of those mothers who, are, who have left an imprint in our hearts, in our lives. We give you thanks for all of them, but we also help um, ask you to help them and strengthen them, whatever they find themselves, whether motherhood is a contentious event for them, whether motherhood is a, an event that defies their own expectations, or whether motherhood goes beyond the biological bond that we sometimes assign to this role. Whatever they are, Lord, give them the strength you gave that you gave Mary. And allow us, Lord, to, as a church, to come around our mothers and help them navigate through the different circumstances they have to face through their lives on this broken world. It is in, you, in the name of your, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that we pray and we give you thanks and we ask for your strength. 